Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. So hold on, because on the turntable this week, we've got Audio Lust and Higher Love by S.G. Lewis. Ah, bring us a higher love. Uh, and this is the first exciting episode of the year. Oh, well, actually, no. Oh, no, you've <laughs> sorry, <us>, Will. <laughs> really no, I'm joking. This is the first real moment. No, no, whatever I'm going to say isn't going to sound good. But what I mean is, this is the first episode this year when we're talking about a new released album with the artists themselves. And we, we only went and done it, didn't we, Dan? We only went and done it. when, As soon as the album was announced, we said, how good would it be to talk to SG Lewis? Because I think for both of us, absolutely one of our favourite new artists. Everything he puts out is incredible. Every collaboration he works on, we love. So it, it's wishlist stuff. And I don't mean wish the website. We got the real deal here. Yeah, uh, so we uh, have met up with virtually, virtually met up with SG Lewis uh, or Sam, as I think we can now call him, Dan. We can, but listeners, you SG can't. Lewis, yeah. Uh, so we are we're giddy with excitement because not only have we had a great chat with him, but we're also going to go track by track through this brand new album, the first big release of the year. So before we do that, shall we step back in time and find out what Sam had to say about the album, the tour and much more. SG Lewis, welcome. Thank you for joining us on Track by Track for this very special uh, release day episode. Thank you. Um, so when this episode goes live, Audio Lesson High Love will be out there to the world. Uh, is it a relief once it's finally out there or is that when the nerves really start to kick in? Um, it's really a sense of relief. I, I mean, like there's always kind of a, an anticipation leading up to a release about how a project's going to be perceived, whether people are going to be happy about it. Um, so, I mean, my brain always goes to the worst case scenario in the run-up. So um, usually things get better once things are out in the world and people are starting to feedback about the album and hopefully there's you know some, some positive um, engagement with it. But, you know, there's also an element of kind of once it's out there, you know, whether people like it or not, it's out of my hands. So there's a kind of a sense of positive helplessness, I think. <laughs> positive helplessness, I like that. That sounds like an album in itself. <laughs> there we go. Now on to the next one. <laughs> uh, and as we're a few days ahead of the release now, how are you feeling right now? Um, yeah, I feel it's funny because, you know, promoting an album is so funny because you're, you're speaking about a record that, exists because of a headspace that you're in for like you know the past two years previously so I'm always kind of by the time an album comes around or a project I'm sort of my my, my headspace is kind of on the next thing so then you start speaking about an album again and you're sort of reminded of that time and how you were feeling so it's always interesting to come back to those feelings and see how they um sort of how they stand all that time later but um it's been really cool to kind of speak about the album with people and see people enjoying the singles and engaging with the music. So, um, yeah, it's been really cool. And I love what you said about the album kind of being that headspace at that time, mm -hmm. because obviously this, this podcast is all about the art of an album and everything that goes into an album as sort of one 
piece of work and, and the craft behind that and the running order and everything like that I suppose in a in a more of a digital streaming age we kind of take it right back to the album with this album what was the kind of the intention behind it so um the last so I, I initially intended to take a lot of time off from making music after I handed in the last album but um I it was at the height of the pandemic and um so I handed in the last album and I took two weeks off of making music and then I got I was really bored so I, I was like well better start the next record because I just didn't have anything else to do in lockdown so I started to make a new album but the last album was as much as the last album went out during the pandemic it was largely written before the pandemic whereas this album was written almost entirely during the pandemic so it was a period of time with a lot of isolation and a lot of time for reflection upon past relationships and um interactions with other people and um i think that we all had a lot of time to think about those things so um, when i went back into the studio i sort of found that as i started to write and as i started to throw things at the wall what i found was that i was sort of reflecting on these um past relationships and i was noticing a pattern in that there were these two kind of approaches to love and relationships that i think we all that people take and that's the one was this kind of lust-driven, um, short-lived, rushy, toxic version of love and relationships. And the other was kind of describing this much more actualized, fulfilled, perfect version of love and relationships that perhaps we sort of read about in pop culture and write about. And, um, and as I sort of started make music and sort of categorize these songs into one of these two worlds it kind of became apparent that there was this sort of lust versus love sort of um double album sort of emerging in front of me so really i started to explore like those two different worlds and like why we approach certain um relationships through a certain lens and using certain emotions and why other relationships make us feel differently. Um, so as I built the album, I started, uh, I, I started to build these two worlds because they had, the feelings kind of had very strong sonic identities to me. You know, the, the rushiness of infatuation could be captured in the energy and the, the darkness of the chords and the rush, the, the, um there was like a feeling attached to that for me whereas the, there was this much more fulfilled um kind of actualized version of love and relationships that was represented by this warm psychedelic uh sort of immersive feeling and so these two kind of um worlds started to exist and um it just became a really fun exercise to kind of build these two worlds and to explore those two kind of um, approaches to love and relationships within them and I, I guess as well in the time between the two albums you've also worked uh, on tracks for some other incredible artists like Elton John Jesse Ware Mabel Tovlo had those collaborations influenced as well where this album went to um 
those are all kind of happening in parallel because if anything, I sort of started this album before some of those things happened because the timeline is strange because I handed the album in in June of the year before of, of like, of I'm talking about the first album. So a lot happened between where I was, I, I wrote a bunch of music for this album as those opportunities from the first album started to present themselves. Mm. So, but a lot of those collaborations really existed um, in isolation from this album in a way. I mean, like, obviously you learn something from every collaboration and interaction that you have with other people. But um, a lot of those, a lot of the time when I'm producing for someone else's record, I'm able, part of what makes it so fun for me is being able to re- remove myself from my own headspace and to kind of um, enter someone else's mind. So really those collaborations served as like um, a relief from my own thoughts a lot of the time. That's really interesting. And that's one of the questions I've wondered for a while about your work and your process, because there's so much collaboration um, with not only, again, creating your own album, creating a double album, the collaborations we said just there, but then, of course, even like remixing those classic songs as well. Uh, and so it's really interesting to hear how you divide your your output, yeah. your creativity. It, it's really funny because like I, I think that I'm very lucky because I think that because I kind of do a range of different things when I get bored of something or if I get like tired of my own voice or my own kind of mind, I, I get to kind of switch hats and I get to kind of scratch a different itch. And it means that instead of really taking a lot of time away from music, I get to kind of just like explore a different part of creativity. And it it means that my, my job remains highly stimulating and I feel like I'm really spoiled that I get to, um, I get to wear so many different hats because I feel like if I was kind of stuck with only one of those roles and it would get extremely repetitive for me. So yeah, I really get to kind of um, wear different hats. Uh, probably one of the, for, for us, one of the most pleasantly surprising uh, ones was the, the Whitney work uh, and uh, I'm every woman uh, towards <laughs> the end of last year. And I mean, that was incredible. How did that come about? Yes, that was, that was really, I, I got hit up about doing it and I'm always hesitant about being, about reworking classics because I did it, I did the More Than A Woman one for the Bee Gees and that kind of had like a bit of a moment and it kind of had a lot of ears on it because I think it sort of went viral on TikTok or something. And um, so it meant that that's been offered to me quite a few times since, but I, I'm always cautious to say yes, because, you know, sometimes songs don't need mixing and re-editing, you know, but they sort they um they expressed to me that they were sort of, um, they were putting together this film and they were, you know, that Dark Child was sort of exec producing the sound or just like across it all. And that was really important to me because obviously Whitney is um, no longer with us. So having someone that was involved in the original process was really important to me because with the Bee Gees, I had to get Barry Gibbs approval in order to um, for the track to go out. 
and that's good because you know you don't want to you don't want to mar someone's legacy by creating something that they wouldn't have approved of and so um it's really sad it's a big shame that Whitney was not able to you know to to get her blessing to do it but it was great that Dark Child was involved but really I just wanted to kind of update the song you know when a song is that iconic it's really you don't want to deconstruct it too far because it's very hard to kind of reconstruct it and to um to better it if the original is as as perfect and as iconic as something like that so i was just very cautious with the process and making sure to just kind of um not to the original a lot and again thinking about all these different hats that you wear and all these different musical outputs uh the tours coming up in march playing uh europe uh and around the uk when you're putting a set list together is that do you want to make that purely an sg lewis uh, set or do you want to kind of bring in anything else to that yeah so um the live set is really just original music like very rarely will i even play a remix unless it's very very demanded um but really the the live show is about communicating um my original music with fans but i also dj a lot and um a DJ set is an opportunity to um, play records that inspire me and to play productions that I've done, play remixes. You know, when you're DJing, you're kind of sharing an evening of music with people and like, and that kind of presents more opportunity for me to like represent the other sides of what I do, I think. So how, and how difficult is it going to be when obviously you've done, you've done shows before uh, with the first album, now you've got this double album. I, I, do you look? Do you look forward to putting the set list together, or is that kind yeah, of its I mean, uh, challenges? It, it all depends. Like you know, the the hard bit is like a festival set list where you've got forty five minutes or something, and you've got to like choose who you're going to disappoint. Essentially, <laughs> and there, there always is someone. But um, but with the 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 tour set list, it's it's cool because there's certain songs that I fought, you know, that I fall out of favor with, or I just don't feel like represent me as well anymore so um so i kind of approach it largely from a selfish perspective with the the live set list but um but if some if a, if a song gets requested enough then i will listen and put it in there will will know i'm about to say this but you mentioned festivals i have here got we, yeah everything go. crossed for your name to be on that glastonbury bill because that is going to be one of the sets of the weekend Oh man, thank if you. You're I, there. Mean, I mean, me too. Fingers crossed. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, now, something else. While we're talking about live performances, something else which is very recent uh, was you being beamed into the homes of America on the Tonight Show. What did that feel like? That must have been a moment. How did how did that feel? Yeah, that was really cool. It was a very like sort of flag in the ground moment for not just me, but the, the entire team, you know, and everyone involved from production managers to the band, to um, management, stylists, everyone that's involved in that moment was kind of proud of it because it's such a um, recognisable sort of moment. And it's something that, you know, people 
outside of our industry can understand the kind of kudos of it because it's something that is so such a part of everyone's lives in America, you know. So that was really awesome. And it was like a lovely moment to kind of perform a song like that and to do it in a more traditional setup, you know, like with the band and stuff. And to, um, so I, I was really kind of, um, it was a, it definitely a proud moment and uh, very surreal. It's that, I guess it's that pop star moment that's... Uh... I guess I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be in the UK now, but like we don't have Top of the Pops anymore because that would probably be a moment when you would feel like a similar sort of feeling, yeah. but more more homegrown. Yeah, I think like, you know, we have less of those moments. And I mean, late night TV is just so massive in America. It's such a huge thing. Um, I guess in the UK, there's, you know, there's like Graham Norton and Jonathan Ross and such, yeah. but... Um, it's it's just kind of it's just been the the trajectory of my career that for some reason I those opportunities have sort of presented themselves in the US before they have presented themselves in the UK and I think that I've just been really lucky with the uptake of my music in the states and some early syncs and stuff kind of gave me a leg up here but um yeah I'd like to do them all eventually. I think you'll you'll know you've made it in the UK when you're sat on Sunday brunch eating food that's been cooked in five minutes flat uh, and pretending how nice it is. Yeah, I, I actually that is the one I, I did get to do Sunday brunch. Oh, uh, oh nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just come off a flight from Hawaii because I was doing a gig there, and I was very very jet lagged, so uh, it was really confusing. But when uh there was a round where they brought around whiskey and it was about 7am and I started <laughs> trying to drink it as quickly as possible to try and, try and just uh, <laughs> combat the jet lag. I think the great thing about that show is uh, a lot of the guests are hungover. Most of the viewers are hungover. So we're all in the same boat, really. Yeah, it's all, uh, it's all, uh, uh, you're all in it together, definitely. Okay, so we've got some quick fire questions about the album for you now, Sam. Cool. Which song was the quickest or easiest to make? Uh, Infatuation. Which song took the longest to know when it was finished? Holding On. What's your current favourite song on the album? Lifetime. What's the song that changed the most during the process? Um... Different light. Which song are you most looking forward to playing live on the tour? Uh, another life. And last but not least, which song that hasn't yet been remixed would you most like to be remixed by someone? And if you want as well, who? By Lifetime by DJ Cozy. Good answers. The, the <laughs> Sarone remix, by the way, the Sarone remix is so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was pretty pretty stoked to have Sarone do something. You know, he's definitely an absolute legend. Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely have all my fingers crossed that DJ Cozy's listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to, to tag him. Um, Absolutely. We were scheduled to go backstage and record with Sarone and do an episode with him in March of 2020. Oh, um, so we all know last... what happened then. <laughs> Yeah, and then the rest, the rest is history. Uh, now, we're about to go track by track through the album, but um, I have to say, we, uh, we've been listening to it non-stop uh, over the last few days. 
Um, it's been an absolutely fantastic experience. Infatuation, fantastic track. So just amazing. Uh, Thank you. It's been uh, it's been a great experience listening to it, and uh, hopefully uh, millions of other people are going to have that same feeling uh, from today. Thank you so much. I love I love the podcast. So th- thank you guys for having having me on. Well, we certainly had a giggle uh, catching up with SG Lewis about uh, the new album, about what he's been up to in LA, about some of the collaborations and production work he's done. have to say, Dan, what a lovely guy. Really was lovely. One of those people, I could have spoke to him for so much longer because he has done so much. Um, But it was great to hear what he had to say about this album. Because, Will, and you're not going to believe this, it's my album of the year. <laughs> and it could well, we could well get to the end of the year and it, and it, and it, could, and it could well be because it's so, it's so good. It's so strong. And listeners, I know you've been asking on social media. Uh, and yes, Dan did do his gushy fanboy bit at the end of the interview, but he obviously cut out and didn't include. You've got to. Also, I wanted him to know it's not, we're not doing this because, you know, we're not doing this for any not reasons, being certainly yeah. not being paid. That's for sure. Oh, it's, we oh, are. I got a. So I sort I sorted it all out, didn't I? Yeah, I've got a. <laughs> you got a large wad. Yes, but I wanted him to know. You know, we. I wanted him to know. I wanted him to know. Will. <laughs> uh, but I think it's so good to talk to Sam about uh, his career so far, and so chuffed for him that it's on an. Uh, a very steep upward tra- trajectory at the moment with so many uh, uh, iconic moments just all happening over the last few months, whether it is appearing on national American TV, uh, reworking a Whitney track, uh, collaborating with other fantastic artists, uh, or appearing on sun- Sunday Brunch. It's all there. Oh, I love the Sunday Brunch chat. You always have Sunday brunch on. There's nothing you like more first thing on a Sunday morning than two middle-aged bald men laughing at each other. You want to have you and your other half over to stay? <laughs> Not bald or middle-aged. <laughs> so, Dan, we've spoken to SG Lewis. We're about to go track by track through his hot off the press new album. But just a little bit of background first. So, SG Lewis, Sam to us, Samuel George Lewis to his mother and father, uh, British singer, songwriter, producer, uh, and he was uh, from hails from Reading. Uh, he has been active in music since 2014. Uh, and if you haven't checked out his debut album Times, which I love, and his previous EPs and his collaborations with other artists, please do. But we're here today to talk about the brand new sophomore album Audio Lust and High Love. And I think it's fair to say we liked it. Oh, huge fan. Obviously, we heard the first preview of it last summer. And I remember us talking about it on the day of release and just being wowed by these two incredible songs. And we've been drip fed a few more tracks since then. And none of it has disappointed. So to hear it all together as an album with everything else in between. Phenomenal. It's a piece of work. It's a real piece of work. And it's a fantastic record, so cohesive, uh, as if you listen to it all the way through. And we would encourage you to listen to it as such, as we were talking to to Sam about. And uh, oh, it still doesn't feel right, does it, Sam? SG yeah, Lewis. Let's go back to SG, yeah. S- SG, uh, as we were talking to him about. We kick off this album, we're getting stuck in straight away, and you heard this first track 
uh, in between our interview finishing and uh, us blathering on starting again, because this is the introduction, or was the introduction. And I like that he's done that with this album, because it, it didn't happen on time, the debut album, but I like that this does feel more like... Uh, a masterpiece this is his masterpiece i think time was an incredible introduction but this double album starting with that intro this is really saying something Uh, and it is a mood isn't it it's really does set the scene uh for this album particularly the first half of this album uh because it is definitely an album of two halves this is as as he was describing it that rush that energy of emotions this is building up into that, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. You can, you just know the live shows are going to start with that one. Oh, well, Dan, I hope I, I'm not wrong. Oh, just stop mentioning live shows, because every time I just think about his teasing us with Glastonbury and the kind of, oh, let's hope so, he obviously knows what's going on. He knows. So from the intro, we move into track two. It's Infatuation. This is our first first full-length track on the album, a burst of sunshine and energy. And again, this is the uh, that rush of love a, as infatuation. And, you know, we did first hear this track in September, but for now, it's still really fresh to me. I think just because the, the energy on it, his vocal and just the layering and production on his vocal... I think is just sublime on here. It gives it a really nice. There's nothing like being in love in the in the summer or lust in the summer, is there? That's a lovely thought, and I can definitely hear that because it does sound bright. And it's interesting because when I was thinking about how bright the synths shine on this song, that's a bit of a mouthful uh, there. Uh, it made me think of synesthesia. You can almost just see that brightness and see those colours, but I saw it was almost a mirror ball. Um, it's so electro French disco, so Daft Punk-esque and parcels. But I think the great thing about S.G. Lewis is that there are so many influences in the mix there that, you know, it doesn't it doesn't sound like a Daft Punk song. You can just hear that influence peppered in there. You can. And I just love the disco funk moments on this album. This isn't the last of them, Um that we from on this track because it's the the whole album is you know laced with them uh lifetime which we'll come on to talk about was huge i think i said pop star moment with him performing it but just that whole aesthetic is a wonderful like disco funk from the 70s 80s very prevalent i can't even say that word prevalent on prevalent on here and this one was written with and featuring teed as he mentioned to us, lots of collaboration between the two of them. Uh, and also Ed Druitt on this one. Now, Ed has worked on the likes of All Time Low from The Wanted. And he also featured on Professor Green's I Need You Tonight. Moving on then, track three. And this is the first full-length brand new track for us. It's Holding On. Stay, stay, stay 
favorite song on the album really i think it just encapsulates everything that i love about sg lewis at the moment and his emergence not just as a not just as a fantastic producer but as a artist as a pop star uh and someone that can really confidently stand on the global stage like he did with lifetime uh and just just share uh, a fantastic moment and it's the chorus in this for me it gives me goosebumps yeah I'm not surprised it's phenomenal this to me again just the imagery that comes through with this music I can just feel myself driving down a neon highway with this song blaring out there's a real darkness to it I think as well it's 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 it shines but in a dark way and I think obviously that's that's the album is about these two different sides of love and this feels uh on the darker side of things i guess a bit of almost a kind of a melancholic desperation um tinged through it as well melancholic desperation will a great name for a pet shop boys album or a podcast or a podcast yeah or a self-help tape oh different so this one written with ed again and then with ruben james and you've also got jay moon and Connor Albert on the writing for this one as well. Jay Moon plays that phenomenal bass that bounces throughout the track. And then Connor Albert is the guitarist. Who And I think the thing that I love about this song so much is that, you know, this whole band working on this track sound phenomenal. And we know that SG Lewis can create and remix and produce the most phenomenal dance music using synths and samples. But here, them all coming together to create this track as a full band for me just adds another element to it okay next track now and tovlo is here to join him for call on me Call on me there with Tovlo. Now, of course, Tovlo, no stranger to Track by Track. In fact, only a few weeks ago, we spoke about Dirt Femme as one of our albums of 2022. And as we said, lots of work with SG Lewis and Teed on there. I love that the collaboration just continues, that they take part in each other's albums. And this one was released as a single back in October. Uh, and on Dirt Femme, you've also got Pineapple Slice with S.G. Lewis. And I just can't decide which one I prefer because Pineapple Slice is probably the most purest like electro pop that S.G. Has, has done. But I love the electronica in this, but also it's very passionate, isn't it? It's very, um, you know, Tove is singing, you know, she just can't can't get enough of him, whoever it is. Whoever he is. 
And S.G. Lewis on this song, when it was released, he said he tried to do a song in the vein of You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive. And I think he definitely did that here. This one just, compared to the tracks we've heard before, it hits different. It's much more of a huge anthem for everyone, for wherever you are. You can imagine this one live. You can imagine it in the club. You can imagine it in the gym. I imagine you've done your bums and tums workout to this one, Will. <laughs> bums and bums and tums and the rest. Uh, but long may Tovlo and SG Lewis and Teed collaborate. Yeah, what a trio together. Uh, I bet there's some more in, in the bank somewhere, in a vault uh. somewhere, in a file vault somewhere. And... It's funny when we were talking to Sam, he we talked about you know the album release, and he's like, well, he's already on to the next thing, so releasing the album brings it back to closer to him again. Mm. And uh, we didn't ask probably because we didn't probably didn't think he would answer, but I'd love to know kind of what what those next collabs are going to be. Whether Tove is coming back, whether there's yeah. some really incredible, oh, you know, he could take his pick now, couldn't he? Um, so uh, mm, very interesting. Okay, next one. Oh, Laura. You never see me as a type. Thought I'd be my cards right, but I didn't make up on a tell. Though I thought I knew you well. Oh, I guess you never see the signs. To the fashion of the lights, but I, I can see over the hill. Cause you're afraid of something real. Oh, you might think that you know me. How things are This is, uh, is this the closest we're going to get to a love song in his own style? Because uh, if it is, I'm totally here for it. Well, I was going to say they're all love songs, aren't they? But this definitely feels a bit more you know, like... You uh, know what I mean, though, don't a, you? A, a balladesque. Balladesque. Because uh, I love that his voice is really standing proud in there. And I just love the treatment to it that gives it this slight starkness echoness maybe it's like to expose the emotion in the lyrics uh and what he's saying but undercut by a funky beat but also that wonderful distorted piano sample as well yeah i love that you've mentioned the vocal a couple of times now because it really is incredible and you can't you know his um a lot of the tracks he doesn't feature on the vocal but when he does you can hear him growing in confidence and I did read an interview that it was through his collaboration with Elton John uh, during their track together on the Lockdown Sessions album that he almost uh, saw how Elton performs and took something from that <laughs> didn't, bam, didn't say what bam, he sounded bam. like it just said how he performs <laughs> um, can't wait to see him at Glastonbury but this one I love because yeah like you said you see that Oh Laura also when I see Oh Laura I just think about that bishop saying Oh God, on that uh, after the Queen died, <laughs> um, but oh Laura, there's definitely a lot more space between the music in this one, and I like how the bass takes its steps, the synths kind of stutter in between. There's a little percussion moments, but it's a nice little break after those few bangers that we've had there, and we know there's a lot more to come. This is still electronic heaven, but it's a bit of a breather. Oh, Dan, I've just had one of those flights of fancy like what you have. Uh, oh, imagine yeah. Elton John at Glastonbury bringing on... <gasps> Kiki D. <laughs> I don't go breaking my heart. Oh, they could do it. They could do it. These could uh, do it, yeah. I just imagine Elton John bringing on or, or bringing off on stage 
Uh, H.G. Lewis. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. <laughs> okay, moving on then. Track six. Will. Yeah. Missing you. Kisses. This has got a fantastic bridge into the chorus. It is pop gold, the way uh, the delivery of the vocals into the chorus and the way it changes and then changes again into the chorus. Uh, I just think it is uh, just sterling production work there. He really knows what he's doing because then that chorus, it's punchy. It's very punctuated by those electronic beats. And but then the melody comes out through that bridge first. Really good work, really good. This is phenomenal. And this was one of the first signs of the album released back in July 2022. And I just couldn't believe it when I heard this. I just couldn't believe how phenomenal it was. It was one of those moments where within 30 seconds, I was already counting down for the album. I already knew I was going to put the song on straight away afterwards. I knew I had to text you about it, see if you'd heard it yet. It was just one of those moments. Oh, Dan, you should have written yourself a to-do list. <laughs> I never complete them anyway, so there's no point. No, no. Uh, and this, uh, we talked about the those pop star moments, whether it's on The Tonight Show, on Sunday Brunch, or being on Top of the Pops, or, you know, having that big breakaway hit. Again, this song, when this came out, this is another one of those moments where you kind of sit up and think, hello, this this guy is he's really going somewhere with his career. It's not just about fantastic producing, remixing, DJing, working with other artists. This is about him standing proud uh, as a real talent. And again, you can hear hints of influences in here. I got hints of The Weeknd with this one. But yeah. again, not uh, doesn't sound like a song by The Weeknd. It's got even more of a 80s electronic shimmer. And yet sounds exactly like you would want an incredible pop dance song to sound like in 2022. This one was worked on by the aforementioned Ed and Ruben, but also with Jay Moon, who has worked with the likes of Dermot Kennedy, Aluna George and S.G. Lewis. Uh, I never knew he uh, released a music album, I would, but I mean, he only does this morning once a week, so he's probably got time to do other stuff. Who's that? Dermot O'Leary. Uh, so Dermot Kennedy. <laughs> and Will, I'm not missing you like how you want me to. I'm not missing you like I'm supposed to. I just love that lyric. When you see that song, Missing You, when you see that title, Missing You, that's not the way you expect it to go, is it? No. He's done done a number on us there. And good for him, actually. Mm. Track seven, then. Another Life. A 
another live fair, and like with O'Laura, a stunning, slower moment that's still filled with the essence of that S.G. Lewis sound and everything that influences him. With this one, I love how it starts with those acoustic guitars and then just merges to the electronics. And it, that, that merge is incredible. It's like a tidal wave taking over the song and taking over the you. It really, uh, I was listening to this with some good quality headphones on and it really got me. Uh, and lots of organic strings in this song, um, you, uh, which is fantastic, juxtaposed against the beat to it, which is lovely to hear. I think when I listen to this song, it's it's quietly euphoric, gently euphoric. Uh, it does remind me a little bit of uh, I Remember by Cascade and Dead Mouse in that kind of blissful... Uh, disco funk electronica that is just you know you just te- transports you to another planet heaven and you're transported for even longer with this one this one's over six minutes long one of the longest songs on the album and i love the intro as i said but also it kind of just floats out and the guitar comes back in at the end it really sounds phenomenal and as you said those live strings they just completely take it somewhere else it's like James Bond score on the dance floor. That sounds like a remix album that Almighty could do or something like that. (laughs) Double O Heaven. Oh, yeah. You've done it again. And this one will written with Ed and Julia Bonetta, who has worked with One Direction and with lots of the 1D lads on solo projects and also the lovely Leona Lewis. Uh, track eight now, and uh, SG's joined by Channel Trey and Charlotte Day Wilson for Fever Dreamer. Bass guitar is absolutely wonderful. I wonder who's doing it. And of course, it's him. Of course, it's S.G. Lewis. The of man is a one it's... man. Whenever I say one man band, I just imagine him in the studio <laughs> with the likes of Stewart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he could as well. He could make it sound good. <laughs> he could make it work. But this one, yeah, the bass is phenomenal. But the thing that hits me with this song is when you get to the middle eight, and it takes a little while because this is, again, one of the longer songs and an incredible build to the intro but then the middle eight comes and you've got that phenomenal piano that i just wasn't expecting on this song at all and the piano was composed and performed by charlotte day wilson of course who's giving uh, the lead vocals or sharing the lead vocals with channel Tre there which i think is how we say that um and of course we talked about sg lewis's work with channel Tre before on the robin track which was way back in what 2021 i think um and I think for me, it was one of the first moments when I realized how far and how big S.G. Lewis was going to go. No, that doesn't make any sense. How far he was going to go and how big he was going to become. Uh, interestingly as well, uh, Channel is also on uh, a different track on uh, uh, Tovlo's Dirt Femme album that wasn't co-written or produced by S.G. Lewis. 
which is still very, very good. I'm sure he just made the introduction. But one of the great things about this, when you spoke before about the bridge of a track, and I think Ashley Lewis has got a really incredible trademark knack of that uh, on this one as well. It's kind of these bouncing laser-like sounds that come in as it lifts to the chorus. And then you've got that phenomenal new disco groove. This one, Will, I think is the most Dua Lipa sounding track on this album. Agreed. And it's the most recent single as well. Next one then, track nine, Epiphany. Epiphany. You're right, Epiphany, love. Epiphany there, and at nearly nine minutes, the longest track on the album, and it is—it really takes you on a journey. This song, it's kind of like wandering through a wheaty field in a in a, a haze of your own thoughts and maybe a few uh, substances there. And I just, I, I just love it. I, I listen to this, and eight eight and three quarter minutes just disappears. This is. Pretty much vocal free, apart from some speak and spell action. Uh, but this is written and produced by Teed, Ants and Sam together in uh, in that fantastic partnership. And I just love how they just kept this going and just mesmerizing. Yeah, this is a this is an incredible midpoint turning point of the album, isn't it? And I think it really intrigues you because you see it's nine minutes long, but you're kind of, you're waiting for that vocal, aren't you, at the start? And you think, okay, maybe this really long introduction, maybe it's going to come halfway through the song. But then all you get is the sort of speak and spell part. And you're not mad about it. No, and I think it's the perfect track halfway through uh, because you're not expecting eight and a half minutes of it. But at the same time, it feels just the right length and not quite enough at the same time. Perfect length. Okay, here's a big one now, Dan. Track 10, Lifetime. Another track that we heard before the album's release, and what a phenomenal sing-along anthem. This one, supposedly, well, probably definitely, inspired by Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock, not a genre we often talk about here on Track by Track, but you really can hear it. Just that kind of mellow guitar, again, sing-along, big chorus sound. This is one of those moments that I'm manifesting this being at Glastonbury because I think we'll we'll have our arms around each other and we will be loving it. Yeah, we'll have our fists in the air, pumping away. Uh, yacht rock, as in Y H G U H U T 
No, that's not how you spell yacht. That's yakult you just spell, yeah. I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but yacht as in boating. Yes. Really? I'd never heard of yacht rock before. You've got a lot to enjoy, Will. Uh, I thought it was, it's what happens to your stern if it's left in the water over winter. <laughs> a yacht rot. <laughs> uh, what I would say with this track is, this is, I think this track will be one of his signature songs. It'll be, it'll bring the show down when he tours uh, at festivals. And it has got that chorus, uh, which we would, we were singing along to, Punching the Air, which we will be doing at Glastonbury, hopefully, as well. And I have to say, it was fantastic when he performed this on Tonight Show with a live band, with backing singers. He was up front with a guitar, with a lovely suit on. And again, it was that moment when you just think this song, him, the band, the backing singers, it's the com- the complete solution for a pop music artist. And as well, you've got the live strings in there as well. It just It's such a full, rich sound that sounds perfectly at home on this album with some of the dancier sounds that with some of the coming up, you know, we've got some throwback to nineties R and B even. Um, but this yacht rock influence track sitting perfectly standing proud. And yacht rock continues maybe, or is it just the, the play on words? It's got me uh, plain sailing <laughs> is track 11. organic lo-fi sounding tracks on the album and certainly that first verse and chorus what i love about this is when you look at the credits you you do feel it's a little bit more uh back to basics a little bit more diy and you look at the credits and it's vocals synths guitar drums and programming by sg lewis oh yes it uh, but then the beat kicks in and you know you do get a bit of that as well but you're right it is very lo-fi pop funk uh for the most part is this is this yacht is this yacht rock this is not really yacht rock no but it could be yacht rock inspired i suppose slightly i have to ask dan where did you get the phrase yacht rock from uh I, I, well to be honest I, I i knew of it before but then i did read S.G. Lewis did say that he was inspired by it. Oh, was that in Yachting Monthly or Seaman Weekly? <laughs> I know you're a fan of both. But this is, you know, this is why this is where we are in the second or the second side of this album, the second face of this album, where it is a, a much more a s- smoother affair, uh, for the most part anyway, with like much more uh, lo-fi, introspective songs like this. Uh, again, showcasing many other elements of his talent. Okay, number 12 now. Vibe like this. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. 
So vibe like this there. And Dan, this is where your uh, The weekend uh, uh, kind of uh, reference comes into play again. Because I would say this is much more kind of soulful R&B tinged than anything we've had on this album. I'm sure contributed by the collaborators on this, but another aspect of his approach or his desire to bring in different influences, experiment with different sounds. Definitely. And I also mentioned that a kind of throwback to 90s R&B sound. Um, maybe it's my brain doing the whole vibe like this and uh, the you got that vibe track from the 90s. I definitely think there's a, a bit of a link between the two there. On this one, you have got T.Y. Dollar Sign uh, and Lucky Day featuring T.Y. Dollar Sign. Uh, I think we've maybe mentioned it before, actually, for some of his collaborative work. But one of his most bonkers collaborations is uh, he was one of the writers on Four or Five Seconds by Paul McCartney, Kanye West and Rihanna. What a <laughs> collaboration. Uh, who, and... Dan, who sung You've Got That Vibe? I can't remember. I wasn't going to mention his name. It was R. Kelly, but you've made me. Oh, how is your Kelly? <laughs> Not great, actually. <laughs> Credit crunch. And Lucky Day contributed to one of our albums of 2022, Beyonce's Renaissance. Oh, that album. Still listening to it. Still not bored of it. Still loving Still it. Still not bored. So, track 13, Different Light. quite an interlude but not quite a full track either just over a minute and a half long and when, when there are tracks like this on albums i do think is it unfinished or was it just meant to be that length what what is this yeah you're right it's probably enough for me actually with this one uh and you know on a 15 track album you do need a few of them to be slightly shorter particularly if you've got a, a nigh on nine minute song in there as well but uh lovely all the same Oh, yeah, I mean, I do like, I love how it stumbles straight in with that juddery synth and the beats and the effects. It's all kind of wobbling together almost. I feel like with this one, I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but I know I like it. <laughs> A bit like when you invited me for that couple's massage you got through Woucher. <laughs> uh, yeah, and got you to do the massaging. And you were the half to lose me for that happy ending, actually. <laughs> He thought it was all included. It should have been, <laughs> been clearer up front. Number 14 now, penultimate track. Something about your love. about your love there and another one of the first tracks that we heard from the album another one of the tracks that had us just chomping at the bit and ready to hear 
the whole thing. This one, surprisingly the first and only track on the album to feature a sample, which is uh, Tender Love by Foursome Ds, which was written by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who we've spoken about a few times on the podcast, but most notably probably for their work with Spice Girls on Forever. This is such a heady mix, this track. Uh, and it kind of, it's a callback to some of the really uh, energy-driven, passion, uh, passionate tracks we had at the start. This is the perfect duet, or the perfect twosome to listen to, holding on, and then this one together. Because I think it's just, that vibe and that feel for me is just this album all over. Uh, it's just dreamy. And we've mentioned Dead or Alive, we've mentioned Yacht Rock, we've mentioned 90s R&B. This one, I'm hearing massive Daft Punk influences. And I just think it's a real testament to Sam that everything he does, and particularly everything he does on one project like this, he's inspired by older artists and older sounds, and he's inspired by the people he's working with on the tracks. But what he does in the studio and the, the production magic that he puts on it, it, it completely sounds like an album for 2023 it's not you know not a lot of people can find that right balance of um inspiration without sort of pastiche but it's got it and let's bottom things out now with the last track on the album track 15 honest of S.G. Lewis uh, and this album. This one is, I just love some of the uh, sound percussions that punctuate this last track because it sounds deeply emotive but also slightly otherworldly at the same time as well. And I think it's only fitting that for a song all about lust and love, that the, the album rounds out with something very honest, very personal, and maybe a little bit more downplayed, because we started on such a high at the start. We were straight in there after the introduction into some really fat beats. Uh, and this is, you know, the the higher end of higher love. And likewise, love how it slows it down. That's, I think, the traditional way of an album going out gracefully, but not... Petering not, out. Not no. petering out. Absolutely not. Um, I also love about this one that it's purely S.G. Lewis and Teed on the writing and on the instruments and on the production. feels like kind of stripping it back to the basics uh, of, of that incredible collaboration that appears throughout the album. Um, and also, just once again, to mention S.G. Lewis's vocal. Yes, there are lots of samples on this one, and lots of layering uh, and there's lots of repetition throughout the song, but I just think it it's part of the process and it helps to leave, certainly with this last song, really leaves a lasting impression. And that's where we leave uh, SG Lewis and Audio Lust and Higher Love. 
Uh, and, you know, it's been such a great dive into this new album. It's hard to forget that we started the episode by actually talking to him about it. So it's just been, oh, what a, if only every track by track could be like this. One day, Will. One day. But yes, a huge thank you to Eshi Lewis for joining us. And what an incredible album to kick off the year with. Cannot wait to see what he's got, obviously, for the tour, for the summer, and for the rest of the year. And can't wait to hear what you think to the episode and the album. Let us know in the comments if you're listening on Patreon or on the socials at Track by Track UK. Uh, and we've got more uh, release day episodes of Track by Track coming up throughout the year. I've got some very exciting ones bubbling away, which I'm not going to mention until uh, we get there. But of course, join us. If you're not already with us on Patreon, do join us over there for exclusive episodes and early access to any of those release day episodes as well. And exclusive series and episode voting. So thank you for listening. We'll see you again soon. And until then, I've been holding on uh, and I've been missing you. Bye. Goodbye.